0: Hey, uh, H12, how we feeling tonight? Yeah. See, there we go, there we go. That's much better, guys. We are so, uh, we're so excited that every single one of you are here tonight. Uh, I don't know if this is like your first time ever coming to church, or coming to H12, or coming to something like this, uh, or maybe for you, this is like, uh, you know, like your third or fourth time, and you've been checking it out, but you're still. Kind of new to the whole God thing, or maybe for you you're like bought in you're in like you've been here since like the beginning of time uh, I don't really know kind of what what your story is, but I know this I'm pumped and excited that you guys are joining us tonight tonight's going to be really fun um, and by the way, if you are a first time visitor and like you've never been here before, we actually have a really cool room set up just for you it's called our vip room because we have a lot of like really cool stuff so right outside these doors after this service is done we want you to join us there you and the person that brought you we got a bunch of like free drinks free food and then you get a free starbucks card when you come back next week you get a free grande drink of your choice which is pretty awesome pretty awesome so uh for those of you that have been here before you know that we're in this series right it's called school wars and here's the big idea and i'm sure You're tired of this, Uh, but this is what this series is all about. It's a series about tough, there we go, and even tougher, there we go, right? Tough competitions and even tougher questions. And this whole series, we've actually had this series-long competition between the grades. And tonight is the night where we find out who the winner is. That's right, and the winner, the winner gets an obscene amount of donuts. It's just... It's a little absurd. Uh, By the way, here's the deal. I was going to pick up the donuts. Uh, I was going to pick up the donuts from Krispy Kreme because where else would you go for donuts? The sign was on. It was hot and ready, and I was like, I'm in. So I went to go pick them up, and I had to get the employee to help me carry the donuts out to the car. And then a guy passed me, and he literally said, looks like you got a boatload of donuts. I was like, that's close. It's a truckload, actually. It's a truckload of donuts. So I promised these students. So we got a bunch of donuts. Uh, How many of you think the ninth graders are going to win tonight? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Really? Guys, my heart just broke a little bit for ninth grade. That is like. Okay. Let's try. uh, Let's try this. How many of you think sophomores are going to win? Okay, freshmen, that's what you were supposed to do, okay? Uh, how many of you think upperclassmen are going to win? <laughs> upperclassmen got a lot of passion right now. This is good. Awesome. Well, tonight, 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 we're going to find out who the winner is, and then we're going to deliver all these donuts to your connection group, to your connection group, so make sure... That you join us there. Now, uh, here's the deal. Not only is this about tough competitions, but it's about even tougher questions. And I think if we're honest, sometimes we ask God these really tough questions, or maybe you haven't ever asked God tough questions, but maybe you thought t- tough questions and you were afraid to ask Him because you weren't sure what He was going to say. And maybe, maybe for you, these tough questions actually make you feel uncomfortable. Like maybe that's the reason that you've been afraid to ask these questions because you don't feel good about asking those questions, or maybe you're afraid of the answer. And you're afraid when you find out the answer that you're going you're gonna to leave. You're going to abandon ship. In fact, I think there's some people in this room that the very reason that you've been doubting God and the very reason that like, you're new to the whole church thing is because somewhere along the way you had a tough question. It made you feel uncomfortable, and then you said no to God. And so these are tough questions that we're talking about in this series. In fact, it kind of um, reminds me of this time I was a sophomore in college, And for those of you that don't know, uh, the college I went to was the University of Georgia. Yeah. Hey, stop it! You stop it. Ah, sixty-six to nothing. You know what I'm saying? And Troy State. Troy State is like legit. You know, like they got they got uniforms and at least one coach. Okay, they're like a legit team. Okay, we beat them sixty-six to nothing. Anyways, I was a sophomore. A sophomore at UGA. And uh, I had this idea that my sophomore year, I wanted to take this class, uh, Classical Mythology 101. Now, some of you are like, why on earth would you ever take Classical Mythology 101? And there's a reason why I took this class, and I was actually pretty pumped about it. And the reason was, Hercules! This was my show growing up, man. I was all about some Hercules. Has anyone ever seen Hercules? the classic Hercules TV show, all the adults in the room were like, yes. Kevin Sorbo, by the way, that's his name, right? I loved, I loved this show. I thought this show was amazing. I idolized the dude. In fact, that's the reason that I, like, worked out as a kid, because I wanted to look like him, right? He's obviously doing, like, the burpee body right there. He's exposing some chest, and I'm like, I want to be just like him. So I watched this show, and I loved it. And uh, for those of you, like, maybe the ladies in the room, and you're like, ah, it's not really... Like, he's not really my thing. Well, it just so happened that during this show that aired in the 90s, because I'm super old, uh, in the 90s, every now and then, they would flash back to, like, teenage Hercules. And uh, this was the guy they chose to play young Hercules. Yeah, that's right. Uh Uh-huh. Ryan Gosling. Before The Notebook, there was Hercules. Okay? Anyways, we're done with him. We're going to move on. Okay, so Classical Mythology 101. And so I thought, dude, I love Hercules, I've seen every single show, so obviously I'm going to take this class, because it's all about Hercules, like, if I can take a class and get college credit for learning about Hercules, I'm in, I'm in. And then I sat in the class the first day, and I thought, I'm out, nuh-uh, I don't want to take this class. See, here's what happened, like, we, we sat down and the teacher handed us this, like, giant long syllabus. And then he starts talking about the five books that we need to read. And I'm like, five books? You want me to read five books? And so I lean over to the guy next to me and I was like, bro, can you believe it? He wants us to read five books this semester. And the guy looks over to me and he goes, no, you're supposed to read five books for the next class. And I thought, oh, really? Okay, well, I'm out. And so immediately I started looking online for the next class I was gonna take because I was dropping that thing like a bad habit, man. I didn't want to read that much I want to talk about Hercules. You know, who wants to read? And so because there are all these tough questions, because the class was difficult, I said, I'm out. I'm done with this. And, And for some of you, for some of you in the room, that's what you did with your faith. Right? You had all these tough questions. Maybe the syllabus of faith was too tough for you. And so as you started to look at all this stuff, you thought, oh man, I can't do that. I'm out. And did you know, did you know that People during the time of Jesus, they actually did the same thing too. There are some people that looked at the tough questions. They looked at the difficult assignment of what it meant to follow Jesus. And they said, I'm out. See, actually what happened was there was this one time where like Jesus fed 5,000 people. Some of you may have heard that before. Um, actually, it was cool. He fed more than five. He fed 5,000 men and they didn't count the women and children. So it was probably like 10,000 people that Jesus fed. And so as you can imagine, people started following Jesus. Right? I mean, you would too. Because you're like, I'm following this guy because free food, you know? (laughs) That is awesome. And then, to make things even better, like, Jesus would actually perform these miracles too. He was, like, healing people and doing all these crazy things. So it was like like dinner in a movie. And so Jesus was getting all these followers and people were all about Jesus. Until, until things started to get a little weird. See, because people liked the miracles of Jesus, but they didn't really like the teaching of Jesus that much. In fact, this one time after he fed all these people, the 5,000 people, um, he looks out at, at the crowd and he says, okay, hey, real quick, real quick, now that I've like fed you, I, I, I want you to know this. I, Jesus, am the bread of life. And for some of you, especially those of you that like grew up in church, you're like, that's no big deal. Like, I hear that all the time. And then, and then Jesus goes further and he gets like weirdly specific about what it means to be the bread of life. And this is what he said. He said, so, okay, anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. And it was like, Jesus, time out for a second, bro. I loved it when you were, like, feeding people, but that's weird, you know? Like, this is the part of the story where Jesus starts to sound like a vampire, you know? Like, drink my, like, really? Like, it's zombie Jesus now, talking about eating my flesh. Like, this is, this is just, this is weird, And you're not the only one that thought that. The people during the time of Jesus, they thought the same thing. And so then this is what it says a few verses later. uh, John 6, 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Time out. No joke, bro. You just told people to eat your flesh. That's weird, Jesus. Okay? This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And so aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. uh, And and by the way, if you, like, during the time of Jesus, you don't ever want to grumble around Jesus because he, like, He has this telepathic thing so he can like hear you. So they were aware that he was grumbling. So Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend me? Jesus, you're asking, does this offend me? Yes, it offends me for you to talk about drinking blood, bro. That is weird, right? That is some weird stuff. And so people started dropping Jesus just like I dropped my classical mythology class because the teaching was too hard. It was too, it was too strange. In fact, this is what happens a few verses later, John 6, 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed. They no longer followed him. People started leaving. And then Jesus gets his 12 disciples, like the 12 original followers of Jesus, and he says this. He says, you don't want to leave too, do you? And all of a sudden, it goes from like this teacher that's like talking about stuff and it gets personal. Because now you've got to come to terms with the questions that you have about Jesus. In other words, the answers to these questions that we've been talking about in Tough Questions decide what you do with the person of Jesus. And see, this is the main question that all of our questions kind of boil down to. Do I stay or do I go? Like, am I, am I going to stay with Jesus or am I going to leave? Am I going to abandon ship? Am I going to be done? Do I stay? Or do I go? And this, this this is the question that like, when we have these questions that make us uncomfortable, at the end of the day, the answers to these questions will decide whether we stay or whether we go. So it's so important, tonight especially, that the two questions we're looking at are questions that we like zero in on. Because once we get the answer to that, then that ultimately will decide whether we stay with Jesus or whether we go. And there's some of you that maybe in your mind you've already made up your decision that no, I'm not, I'm not really about that Jesus thing. Or maybe there's some of you that are right on the fence and you don't know the answer to this question. Do I stay or do I go? And so here are the two questions that I think are paramount as we discuss whether we stay or go. These are questions that maybe you've had. These are the questions that have come in on our ask.fm uh, slash school wars page. You've been asking these questions. And here are the top two. Why do bad things happen? To good people and how could a loving God send people to hell see these I think are the questions that make people doubt the character of God these are the questions that make people decide I don't know if I want to be with Jesus I don't know if I want to hitch my wagon to this guy I don't know if I want to follow him because after all why do bad things happen to good people in fact there's some of you in the room this is the reason you left this is the reason you decided not to follow Jesus because after all why do bad things happen to good people And how could a loving God, if this God is supposedly loving, how could he send people to hell? So, here's the first question that I want us to look at. Why do bad things happen to good people? Now, um, you may not realize this, but this question is actually, it's got kind of two parts to it, okay? It's got the first part and the second part, and I want to talk about the first part real quick. So, we're going to break down this question into the first basic question, and that's this. Why do bad things happen? Like, period. Like, how come there's bad stuff that happens in my life? How come your grandmother passed away? How come your best friend is struggling with depression? How come your parents split up? How come your best friend is gossiping? How come, why, why, why do bad things happen? And the answer to this is actually pretty simple. The answer is sin. 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 See, God created the world. He created you, created me, created everything you've ever seen, all the stars in the sky, all the galaxies, all like the trees, crazy stuff, everything God made. God invented the smile. God's the one that came up with like how bodies work. He made everything. And when he designed it, he designed it to be good. He wanted good things to happen. And so he said, dude, if you follow me, then good things are going to happen. And sin is when you decide not to follow God. And so if following God means good things happen, then not following God means bad things happen. So the reason bad things happen is because of sin. See, sin is the reason. Sin is the reason that your girlfriend cheated on you. Sin. Sin is the reason that people are talking about you behind your back. Sin is the reason that sometimes you've contemplated suicide because of how depressed you are. Sin. Sin is the reason that your parents split up. Sin is the reason that you have a fight with your best friend. It all comes down to sin. Sin is the reason that your grandmother passed away. In fact, sin, this is like the characteristic of sin sin always leads to death. Like, without fail, it always leads to death. In fact, this is what a guy named Paul said about sin. He said, when Adam sinned, in other words, if you want to know, like, kind of the history of how this breaks down, when the very first guy ever, a guy named Adam. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death. And this is the pattern. Every time, man, sin leads to death. Sin is bad for you. Sin is why bad things happen. So sin brought death, and so death spread to everyone. For everyone, sin. And so the reason, the reason bad stuff happens, period, is because of sin. Because of sin. So now that we know that, we're going to move on to the next part of this question. Why do bad things happen to good people, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? Now, now this is the cool thing about this question. If you've ever asked this question, uh, which maybe you have, chances are the way that you framed it, you asked this question in such a way as to say, why do bad things happen to good people like me, right? Like, like, how come bad things are happening to me? Because at the end of the day, I just want to know why bad things are happening in my life. Like, I, like I kind of care about my friend. I kind of care about, like, my parents. But at the end of the day, why are bad things happening to me a good person, right? Why did bad things happen to good people like me? And uh, this, is a, this is a good question. I just think our premise is wrong. I think the premise that you and I are good, (laughs) is wrong. In fact, as you look in Scripture, you find out that um, this isn't the word that describes us. It's not the word that describes you. It's not the word that describes me. Here's here's just a few examples. Um, Psalm 14, the guy is writing to God, and he said, there is no one righteous, not even one. In other words, as I'm like scanning the horizon, as I'm looking at my friends, as I'm looking at this room, as I'm looking at your school, as I'm looking at all these different places... I can't really find a righteous person. I can't really find a good person. I mean, I've been looking for him. I just can't find him. And that's what this guy is saying. He says, God, as I'm looking throughout the country, I don't find a righteous person. I don't find a good person. And then Jesus takes it a step further. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. This guy goes up to Jesus, and he says, hey, uh, good teacher. That's what he calls him, right? Which is like a, that's a, that's a neat way to address Jesus. And then Jesus kind of like sidesteps his question. He says this, why? Why do you call me good? And then he lays down the law. He says, no one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. And so when we ask this question, why do bad things happen to good people? The only like, person that that could ever describe is Jesus. <laughs> like Jesus is the only one that could say, why do bad things happen to me, a good person? The rest of us? We can't really say that. See, at the end of the day, this is, this is kind of what it comes down to. You're not as good. You're not as good as you think you are. You're not as good as you think you are. And I know that's like not really like fun to talk about, but it's true. It's true. You're not as good as you think you are. Um, I got a chance to go to this uh, summer camp when I was in high school, and it was this camp that happened in Panama City. Any uh, Panama Cityans out there? No, nope. anyone ever been to Panama City? There we go, right? So uh, those of you that have been to Panama City, you get this, right? I was pumped I was pumped about the summer camp because there were all these people that were there. There were all these youth groups that were there, but more specifically, as a 17-year-old dude, I was pumped because there were all these girls that were going to be there. And I was like, "Yeah, what's up?" Uh, And so throughout the youth camp, I know that was weird. I don't know why I did that. I'm sorry sorry so throughout uh i know i was supposed to go to youth camp and like be there for jesus you know but i was there for the girls so so i went and i wanted these girls to pay attention to me so the whole time i'm scheming with my friends and i'm like how am i gonna get i know i debated on using that word and i was like they're gonna that happened so i'm like getting my friends together and i'm like how are we gonna get the girls to notice us because I'm an awkward 17-year-old. By the way, some of you may be under the delusion that in high school I was, like, remotely, like, people enjoyed being around me. No, that's not, that's not true. I met Catherine in college, praise the Lord, because if I met her in high school, we would not be married, okay? Anyways, so I'm so uh, awkward, and I'm, like, 17 years old, and I'm like, how do I get these girls to notice me? And then I saw my moment. We're, like, all hanging out by the pool, and it's a giant pool, and all these people are swimming and then they break out this karaoke machine. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. So I get the big old book of songs, you know, and, uh, and I start flipping through, and then I see it. I see the song I'm supposed to sing. And I'm in my mind, I'm so fired up about it. And uh, the song I chose to sing was It's Not Unusual to Be Loved by Anyone, this oldie, terrible song, okay? Those of you that have ever heard of it, It's probably a good thing. Um, Because this song, like this song, should let you know just how awkward I was, like as a 17 year old, that I chose to sing this song. So, anyways, my time came, and they were like, Next up, we got Steve Walton singing It's Not Unusual. And I was like, Ah, here we go. Here we go. So I go up on stage, and I go for it. You know? I'm like singing my brains out, okay? I'm like leaving it all on the field. I want everyone to know. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone, you know? I want the ladies to get it. And, like, after I'm done, I, like, basically drop the mic. I'm like, yes. And I'm expecting all these girls to, like, line up and want to talk to me. I don't know where the girls went, man, but they were gone. (laughs) They were gone. And then I notice that I can't really, like, make eye contact with my friends either. They're, like, looking the other way. And I, like I'm scratching my head, and then I finally realize something. Steve, you're not as good as you think you are. Like you went up there and you just thought you were the cat's pajamas, but you are not as good as you think you are, because sometimes we think we're awesome, we think we got it all together, we think everything in life is great because we are great. But you're not as good as you think you are. And, listen, that's not just about singing, that's about life. See, we like to think that, like, if there's a scale between good and bad, like, my good, you know, deeds outweigh my bad deeds, and I'm, like, a pretty good guy. But no, that's just not true. See, you're not as good as you think you are. See, because all of us, we've all messed up. All of us have done things that, like, we later regretted. All of us have hurt someone that's close to us. All of us have sinned. You've sinned. You've sinned. I've sinned. Like like we've all messed up. Every time you, you you lie to your parents, that's sin. And it ruins that relationship and it actually separates you from God. And when you gossip and when you cheat, and when you look at porn, and when you lie, and when you do all these things that you know are wrong, that's sin. Because the truth is you're not as good. You're not as good as you think you are. And so we're asking this question like, why do bad things happen to good people? But if it's true that we're not as good as we think we are, then I think the answer to this is that bad things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to bad people. The reason there's bad stuff happening in your life is because either you or someone around you is bad, and they made a decision that was a bad decision. And their bad decision had bad consequences. Sometimes it's your parents. Your parents make a bad decision. And that ruins something for you. And something bad happens. Sometimes your best friend makes a decision. And it was a bad decision. And it ruins things for you. But more often than not, it's you. It's you that makes a bad decision. And that feeling of guilt and that feeling of regret, it leads to consequence. And so the reason bad stuff happens is because bad things Happen to bad people. See, bad people do bad things, and then there's bad consequences. And the consequence of sin is that you're, like, like, relationally, it messes up your relationship with other people. It messes up your relationship with God. It hurts people. It always leads to death. And it doesn't just lead to physical death. It leads to spiritual death. Your sin, my sin, like all of us, have sinned. And it leads to death. And more specifically, it leads to hell. The reason people go to hell is because we deserve it. It's because we've messed up. And we've sinned. And see, that brings us to this question. And the question, how could a loving God send people to hell? Like, that's our question. But I think, truthfully, like, if it's, if it's true that we're not as good as we think we are, if it's true that we are the ones that have messed up, if it's true that we need to own our mistakes and that our mistakes and our sin leads to hell, I think a better question is how, how could a fair God send people to heaven? How could a fair God send people to heaven? Because if you and I got what we deserved, then that's hell. And so if God is just and God is fair and God gives people what they deserve, then what we deserve is hell. It's not heaven. What we deserve is hell. And it reminds me of... um, one of my best friends that went through his own personal hell. And I hated, I hated watching him and his family go through this. For the sake of the story, um, we're going to call him Tim. And Tim went through something that I hope none of you uh, ever have to experience, and I hope that you don't have any friends that have to experience this. But Tim uh, was addicted to meth, uh, like hardcore and he started distancing himself from his family and his friends and the people that cared most about him. And he started spending more and more time with his sin, his addiction, meth. In fact, there was this like apartment that he and a bunch of guys would, would get together in, and, and that's kind of where they just lived. And they just fed off one another, and they just it was this downward spiral where he continued to get deeper and deeper into meth. It was literally um, his own personal hell. It was literally leading to his death. I watched him die. I watched him start fading away. Thankfully, he didn't pass away, but his brain began to die. His teeth began to fall out. His body began to waste away in this apartment. And then one day, um, one day his brother, Josh, had had enough. Tim was wasting his life, and he was dying. And so Josh shows up at the apartment. It's late at night, and he shows up, and at this point, he just didn't care anymore. And so he starts banging on the door. And he keeps banging on the door until finally someone comes to the door, and this guy is obviously high on meth. He says, Where's Tim? I need you to bring Tim here right now. And so he goes, and he grabs Tim. And Tim comes to the door, and his body, he's, he's lost almost half his body weight, it's fading away. And as soon as he sees Tim, he slams the door open and literally grabs Tim and does this like fireman's carry and carries him out because he's done with this. And he's not going to let Tim continue to kill himself. And so he grabs Tim and he takes him to the safety of his car. And then in the parking lot, he's trying to get Tim to go in the car and they start fighting and they start arguing. And then the cops get called. And the cops show up and, and, and Josh tries to explain the situation. He says, my brother is addicted to meth. And I'm trying to rescue him. And the cop asks this guy, Tim, he says, is that true? And he said, yeah. He said, when was the last time you used? He said, this morning. And then the cop arrested both of them and brought them to jail. (laughs) And Josh, Josh spent a night in jail for rescuing his brother. And then it came time to pay the judge. Well, guess what? Tim didn't have any money because he spent all of his money on his addiction. And so Josh personally paid for Tim's mistakes. See, because even though Josh was innocent, he loved his brother so much that he paid the price for Tim. And Jesus, although he was innocent, loves you so much that he paid the price for you See, because you were stuck in the apartment of your own sin and there was no hope. And my friend Tim, his mistakes, his sin was uh, leading to his literal death. And for you, your sin, your mistakes are leading to your spiritual death. And there's no hope for escape. (laughs) And then Jesus shows up and he bangs on the door until you come to the door. And then he grabs you and he takes you to safety. And not only does he take you to safety, but then he personally pays for all of your mistakes because of how much he loves you. And here's how he paid for your mistakes. It says, but God demonstrates. He showed us his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still stuck in our apartment, while our life was still leading to hell, while we still were stuck in our own sin, Christ died for us. See, the price he paid was his own life. Jesus Christ came to this earth and he gave up his life on the cross for you to pay for your sin and your mistakes and all the stuff that you've done. See, we we were talking about this, this story at the beginning of the night about Jesus giving this crazy teaching and And then he looked at his disciples and he said, Are you going to leave too? And I want you to look. This is what he says. He says, You don't want to leave too, do you? And I want to finish this story because I think the next verse is unbelievably important. 668. Simon Peter answered one of the disciples, Lord, (laughs) to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, God, where else are we going to go? Hey, notice he doesn't say, yeah, God, you've answered all my questions. Or, yeah, God, I love that thing that you said that was totally weird. No, he didn't say that. He didn't have all his questions answered. He didn't have all of his circumstances figured out. It's not like life was going hunky-dory for Peter. Instead, he said, where else am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, God, as I look at my life, you're the best thing out there. God, you're better than anything else. You're better than any girl you're better than any guy, you're better than any addiction, and there's nothing else I need. At the end of the day, the only thing I need, in spite of all my questions, is Jesus. Because in Jesus is eternal life. Because in Jesus, He rescues you from that apartment of sin. And there's some of you in the room that as you listen to that story of my friend Tim, you you think of your own story. Like like you think of how you were stuck in sin and then Jesus came and he knocked down the door and he lifted you up out of safety and he rescued you. But I know there's some of you in the room that, that you've never answered the door and you're stuck in the apartment of your sin and you know you've messed up and Jesus has been banging on the door And maybe for you, you just had too many questions. Or maybe for you, you're waiting for life to get all figured out. Or maybe you're waiting for life, like, for you to get older. But Jesus is banging on the door, saying, I want to rescue you today. Jesus is saying, I paid the price. I died for you. And so for those of you that have never said yes to Jesus, Man, I actually want to give you a chance to do that right now. So here's what I'd love for you to do. Um, just, just across the room, if, 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 if everyone can, like, close your eyes and just look down. And no one's going to be looking around. And I know there's, there's, there's many of you in this room that you've already said yes to Jesus. You remember, like, as you watch the people get baptized, you remember what it was like when you said yes to him. But I know there's some of you that maybe this is your first time to age 12, or maybe you've been coming for the past couple weeks trying to get your questions answered, and maybe tonight you would say, should I stay or should I go? I think I want to stay with Jesus. I think I want to be with Jesus. And if that's you, and you know tonight is the night where you accept the free gift of eternal life through Jesus' death on the cross, then I want to lead you in a prayer. And the prayer goes something like this, and you can just say this in your head to God, and maybe this is the first time you've talked to God, maybe you've been upset with God, but if you know tonight's the night that you need to say yes, then I want you to pray this. God, I've messed up, and I'm in the apartment of my sin, and it's led to regret, And shame, and there's no hope of escape. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I believe you brought him back to life. And so, I accept God's gift. And I ask that you would forgive me. And I commit to following you the rest of my life and if that's you and tonight you would say this is the first night that I've said yes to Jesus everyone's going to keep their eyes closed no one's looking around but if you know that's you and tonight's the night that you said yes to Jesus and you answered the door I just want you to slip up your hand just go ahead and raise your hand that's awesome that's awesome Yeah. All right, I want everyone to look up at me for a second. When my my friend was brought back to safety, (laughs) we celebrated. Because he was dying, and now he was alive. And Jesus actually said that when someone makes that decision, like when someone raises their hand and says yes to Jesus, that all of heaven celebrates because someone who is dead is now alive again. So I wonder if we can join heaven and we can celebrate the fact that people said yes to Jesus.